Hello everyone, welcome to our very, very first episode of Fantastic Tales, and I am here with my three-year-old son, Oliver. Say hello, Oliver. He's got the hiccups. Hello. Hello. Um, we are excited to start this podcast, and, and my son has already heard a lot of these stories. Um, he's a little young, so he kind of falls asleep early, but uh, Daddy, he's a good test audience. Daddy. Yes. I really want to say Baby Oliver. You really want to say Baby Oliver? Okay, yeah. don't touch the mic, though, because it's going to make sounds. All right. Uh, here. Okay, say what... Here it comes. Stand closer to it. Okay, say what you want to say. Baby Oliver. Yay! Now, can you say, uh, welcome to our podcast? Welcome to our podcast. Yay! Okay. Oh, and say, um, make sure to like and subscribe. I need help saying it. Okay. Make sure to like. Make sure to like. And I'll say, make sure to subscribe. Make sure to subscribe. Make sure to subscribe. Yep. All right. Thank you, Oliver, for uh, joining us in the studio today, which is my basement office. He's messing with the microphone. Here we go, everyone. Tonight, I'm reading a short story called Princess Isabella Saves Her Kingdom. An original story by me, Adam Morton. This is Fantastic Tales. Welcome to our podcast. Once upon a time, there lived a young princess named Isabella. She was 14 years old, had long flowing brown hair, lived in a magnificent white marble castle, and was smart as a whip. Her father and mother, the king and queen, were honorable rulers and their subjects loved them all dearly. Princess Isabella spent most of her time shadowing her parents, for one day she too would become a leader. Leading is not just about telling people what to do, the king explained to her. It's about instilling hope that you always have a plan, even if it's not a great plan. It's about being willing to make difficult decisions and grappling with the consequences of those decisions. The princess knew her father was wise and knew what he was talking about, but sometimes he droned on and on, she preferred learning from her mother, who had a far different style of leadership. If I had to boil down leadership to one thing, it would be compassion. Compassion means understanding where someone is coming from and putting their needs above others, the queen would say. The king's responsibilities involved making big decisions with the army, and the queens revolved around leading their subjects and ensuring that day-to-day -day operations in Skyland, their kingdom, went well. Princess Isabella understood that successful leadership involved adapting your style for the situation, and she made sure to never discount any advice or instruction. Though her parents expressly forbid it, the princess secretly learned the ways of the sword through one of the castle's knights. Her parents were terrified she'd hurt herself and always told her that a future queen's place is not in the battlefield. But Isabella was too smart to be placated. She loved learning, and she loved learning how to fight. Over the past few weeks, a situation had been developing in the neighboring land known as Maloxia. The 15-year-old prince of Maloxia, whose name was Prince William, had been kidnapped by an evil ruler named Tyrone. Lord Tyrone, as it were, thought that if he could kidnap the prince, he could make a lot of money and ransom. William's mother and father, the king and queen of Maloxia, offered hundreds of pounds of gold for the safe return of their son. But Lord Tyrone wanted more. He was delivered ransom three times, but still he kept asking for more. This meant imminent trouble for Princess Isabella's kingdom of Skyland. Maloxia was an ally to Skyland, 
That meant if one kingdom was in trouble, the other would help, just like two friends looking after each other. The problem was, Isabella's mother and father had no idea how to help. We could give some of our gold to Maloxia to help pay the ransom. We have plenty to spare, Isabella's mother, the queen, said during a special meeting. You know Lord Tyrone is asking for more money because he knows we are their allies. He's holding out to see how much more money he can get, Isabella's father replied. We'll be doing exactly what he wants. Yes, I know, said the queen. Of course he wants the money. All that matters is that he holds up his side of the deal and releases Prince William. It's not about the money. We need to do this the old-fashioned way and storm Tyrone's fortress, said the king. We can no longer play games with him. What if we send rogue soldiers in, the queen posited. Someone posing as a merchant. He'll be allowed in during the day, and then at night we'll sneak into his dungeon and release William. I don't want to risk any more of my men unless they are supported by a full army, the king argued. It would not be fair. Isabella thought hard about this. This was a difficult decision, she knew, because both outcomes could go wrong. She remembered father's advice about being willing to make difficult decisions. She knew that if this problem was not solved, Tyrone would take advantage of Maloxia and attempt to weaken the king and queen's rule. And if Maloxia became compromised, that would mean Skyland might be vulnerable too. Her mother's idea about sending in an undercover soldier was intriguing. It was risky, but... If it worked, it would solve so many problems and very few lives would be put at risk. Except for the soldier who went, of course. Never order someone to do something that you yourself would not do, the king often said. You cannot put your people in harm that you would not be willing to risk yourself with your own life. And Isabella suddenly knew what she had to do. She was going to rescue Prince William. That evening, Isabella took off her nice royal clothing and dressed as a peasant a regular working person. She wanted to stand out as little as possible. She cut her hair short so as not to attract any undue attention and packed a small dagger and provisions for a few days. Before sneaking out of the castle, she made sure to leave a note for her parents so they know not to do anything that might interfere with their plan. They'd be disappointed and fearful for her safety for sure, but they know that interfering would hurt her chances of successfully accomplishing the quest. As she wrote the note, a part of her feared this would be the last thing she ever said to her parents, but she wrote it anyway. She made sure to stress that nobody should be sent in after her, because if they did, it would jeopardize her mission. Into the night she went, riding on the back of her favorite horse named Mose. She knew Tyrone's castle was about nine hours away by horseback, so she was careful not to overwork Mose and gave him breaks and food often. After traveling all night, she knew she was getting closer, but then something happened. Moses' two front hooves got stuck in the mud, mud that she couldn't see. Moses frantically tried to climb out, but the further he tried, the worse it got. The princess dropped off his back into the mud. It was really thick and really heavy. She felt herself sinking in deeper and deeper. Moses looked terrified, and he whinnied and neighed in fear. Isabella was also terrified. She had no idea what she was going to do. But then, to her relief, she was able to pull her foot up and find solid ground. It was off to the side and Mose was trying to run through it. She grabbed the rein on him, pulling and guiding him to the left. He just seemed to sink further in. Isabella did not want to lose Mose. She did the only thing she could think of and yanked him hard on his rein in a way that she knew would get his attention. Hard enough to hurt, but just a little. She knew she had to do this to get him to snap out of the panic and follow her. And fortunately, it worked. Mose soon climbed out and walked on solid ground. In complete and total relief. She gave Mose an apple and a pat on the head. 
The sun was coming up as she made her way through the forest when the princess heard a caravan of people traveling down the trail. She tied her horse to a nearby stump and carefully sneaked over to the trail. She could hear the men in the caravan talking as they towed a small carriage along. Two men were in the front, one on the carriage and two in the rear. What are we going to do after we deliver all this corn seed to Tyrone? A man asked. We leave first thing. We have another delivery in Lyland. The princess suddenly knew what her plan was. She waited for the caravan to pass before running back to Moe's. Then she trailed the caravan far enough back so that they wouldn't get suspicious. They were going to lead her right to the castle. Not too much later, they were at the gates. Isabella hung back and watched the guards open the drawbridge. The men entered the stone fortress and the drawbridge was closed. Usually in most castles or fortresses, a drawbridge was left down during the day and only the gate was closed. This was an indication that those in this castle valued their security to an almost paranoid amount. She rode up to the gate, her palms sweaty and her feet shaking in her boots. Her cloak was over her face in an attempt to look more inconspicuous. Hello, sir, she said with a half bow to the guards. I'm afraid I I got slowed up back there. Horse trouble. I'm with the men who just entered. Take off your cloak, one of the men barked. Oh no, surely she'd be recognized. Here goes nothing, she thought, and pulled the cloak off. Fortunately, they didn't seem to notice anything peculiar. She was so glad she had made the decision to cut her hair. So, you're with the last men that entered, the other guard questioned. We've heard that hundreds of times. They both laughed. Tell me what their business was here then, lass, the other ordered. Uh, Delivery of corn seed. She delivered so convincingly it surprised her. She was good at this. And if you don't mind, I would like to meet Tyrone sooner rather than later as he is an important man who gets impatient easily. I'd hate for him to have to take it out on you two. That was all it took. The bridge dropped, the gate went up, and she was in. She rode the horse into the main entrance, then hopped off and walked most through the stable. She hitched him near a trough and gave him another apple, then lost him, making sure nobody was watching her. The inside of the castle had a lot of people. The guards were heavily armored. There were two blacksmiths she could see, several chickens, dogs, horses, few villagers, and many other well-to-do people dawdling about. There were three different fires with different types of meat being dried and some people sitting around the fire singing or dancing. There were less children or women than she had in her castle. The castle walls were over 40 feet high and each guard tower hovered above the inhabitants like a large monster. This is how a dragon might look, she thought. Everything was far dirtier and smellier than it was in Skyland. It seemed like some people had dumped their outhouse waste in the middle of the walkways. She looked around for a place to hide for the night. The less people that saw her, the less likely she'd have to talk to and lie to these people. These were all people who would remember her face or question her origins or simply want to get friendly and hold up her mission. So she needed to cut down on FaceTime. Rather than find an inn to sleep in, she ran behind the stables in a dark area nobody could see or walk into willingly. She decided this was her position of attack, the place she'd return to after completing each necessary step of the mission. It smelled, but for the time being, she was as good as invisible. She started thinking about her plan. First, she'd do reconnaissance in the night. That meant she would see what path the guard took and what kind of equipment they carried and where they went during breaks and between shifts. Then, once she felt comfortable knowing when and where she could sneak in the darkness, she'd find the dungeon. So for the next nine hours, she hid behind the stable waiting for the sun to go down again. It wasn't long before it did, and the large castle took on an entirely different vibe. The few women that were here became much louder and stumbled around, hanging off most of the men who were also drunk, with the exception of the guards. 
As she waited, one by one people went inside and slept. She could tell by the firelight that dimmed in their windows. The fire gave her an idea, but she couldn't think about that right now. She needed to know where the guards went. Suddenly, she heard two of them talking. That group with the seed came in. Did they leave today? One asked the other. Yeah, before sunset. How many of them were here? Oh, five, I think. He stumbled. He looked suspicious. Wait, are you sure there was only five? I wasn't counting, but I'm pretty sure. Was there a woman with them? No, I definitely would have remembered that. The first guard remained silent for a minute. I need to alert the boss of something. I'll be back, he said as he walked away. Keep doing your rounds. No. Now they were on to her. Now they knew she was lying earlier, and even worse, that she was still in the castle. What was she supposed to do now? She didn't know. She felt defeated and scared. She started re-examining the entire plan and started asking questions that she hadn't before. What would she do once she found Prince William's cell? She knew she would need to get the key to the cell and find some way to get the chains off William, which she was certain would be on him. What about Moe's? How would she get him out of here? Thinking of all of this, she became overwhelmed. What was she doing? This was going to be way too hard to pull off. She should have let her parents pay Tyrone the higher ransom he asked for. Then she would be safe at home, not on some stupid quest that she didn't think through, for some boy that she had never met. It was hopeless. It was time to find a way out of this. <sighs> she took a deep breath, closed her eyes, and tried to calm herself. She realized that there was no way out of this now. She might as well try and complete the mission. With that, she took off her shoes. She wanted to be quiet when walking, like a snake in the night just like her friend had taught her. She walked quietly along the alleys of the small cottages. She noted that the guards didn't walk down the alleys, only the main roads, which was good. It afforded her a lot of secrecy. She continued creeping along in the shadows, occasionally seeing a guard walking out with a torch. She knew, like most castles, if you were out at night without a torch, you'd probably be questioned, at best, or fined. That meant if someone saw her, they'd immediately become suspicious. So, she had to make sure nobody saw her. Eventually, she was at the opposite end of the castle wall. A large gathering of brush covered the wall behind a cottage in the dark. It was peculiar, so she examined it. Lifting up on the brush, she noticed something. There was a door. Eureka. Many castles had secret escapes, and this one was no exception. It provided a very covert way out of here. All she had to do was find the dungeon, free the prince, get Moe's, then hightail it out through the secret door. She drew a small map on a scrap of paper, plotting a path to the escape door from the tunnel. Then, she continued down the wall, paying special attention to the darkness and shadows. That's when she noticed the entrance to the dungeon. There were two guards, and one of them had the keys, clearly hanging off his belt. She looked at the entrance, and could see that the dungeon was in the basement of the bailiff's office. She sneaked around the back of the building, and could see inside the dungeon through barred windows. Is this what she was hoping for? She approached the small window and looked in. What appeared to be a young boy was lying on the floor. Isabella picked up a rock and tossed it at him. It hit him square in the head and he woke up suddenly, looking toward the window. She motioned for him to be quiet. When he saw this, he realized that something was happening. He approached the window, looking over his shoulder to ensure none of the guards were watching him. Are you Prince William? She asked. His eyes widened. Yes, who are you? He answered. I'm someone who's going to rescue you, she said, hurriedly. Can you tell me who has the key? William was still awestruck by the stranger. He had many questions he wanted to ask, but she was in a hurry. He quickly realized he needed to be in a hurry, too. The man with the white beard, he answered. He usually takes a nap around 1 a.m. If you wait, you might be able to get the key off. The princess waited with William for the guard to fall asleep. Your princess Isabella of Skyland? 
William asked, awestruck. Shh, I don't need people knowing that right now. She shushed at him, but hesitated. Why you? Isabella looked at her, rolling her eyes. Why not me? She argued, remembering she needed to whisper. No, I mean, why risk your life? You're royalty, right? Why not send someone else? She hadn't thought about that since the night she left. Well, she explained. I didn't want to put someone else in harm's way. That is admirable, he said, but completely stupid. As royalty, your life is more valuable. What if something happens to you? Who will rule after your mother and father? How many lives will be harmed without a solid leader for your subjects? The princess had not considered that. She never really believed all the hype about royal families being especially gifted and chosen by God to be rulers. To her, she was just a normal person. And most any normal person with the right training could be a ruler, she thought. As she was explaining this, she noticed that the guard was fast asleep. <laughs> He was snoring louder than anyone she had ever seen before or known possible. It was almost funny. Princess, I cannot allow you to endanger your life, wisdom seemed to command. It is irresponsible and not fair to your subjects. The princess admired him for wanting to risk himself for her subjects. But that raised the same argument. I have to help you, she argued, because it's not fair to your subjects. So shut up. I'm rescuing you. She tiptoed over to the guard and slowly put her hand out to the key ring ready to open the ring and slide the keys off. Just as she reached forward, the guard flinched and said, I don't want any more streusel in his sleep. For a moment, Isabella thought he was waking up. She reached out, opened the key ring, and took off the one that looked like it would fit the dungeon lock. She ran around and showed it to William. Yes, that's it, whispered William. Isabella tossed him the key. William looked confused. Wait for my signal here, then meet me, she said as she handed him the map she had sketched. He nodded. Suddenly, a gathering of guards started walking down the main pathway. We must find that woman. Whatever reason she is here cannot be good, said a mysterious-looking man, wearing a red cape. Lord Tyrone, we will catch her, one of the guards said to him. We will. Please don't trouble yourself. We are more than capable of finding her. Nonsense, Tyrone responded. You soldiers are incompetent. After we find her, I'm going to personally draw and quarter you for letting her in in the first place. The group kept walking, but the guard Tyrone was talking to stopped as Tyrone's word hit him. We'll find her, he choked out. Then he caught up with the group. Princess Isabella could not believe that this man was Lord Tyrone, a whiny, impatient, hilariously dressed character who didn't seem to have the respect of most of his soldiers. Isabella knew she didn't have much time. She rushed back over to the stable and unhitched Mose, then carefully walked him back behind the building with the secret escape door and hitched him to a rock. In the dungeon, William sat on the floor. He didn't have much hope in Isabella's plan. He didn't have much hope in anything these days, especially being in prison for so many nights now. He looked at the key, then up to the gate. What if he just went for it right now? After all, the guard was still sleeping, he contemplated. No, he concluded. He had to trust her plan. She told him to wait until the signal, and she told him the signal would be obvious. What kind of signal would it be? Is what's obvious to one person non-obvious to another? He continued to wonder and worry. Most of all, though, he just hoped he'd get to see his mother and father again. He leaned up against the wall of his cell, and that's when he heard it. Men and women were screaming. A bell was being rung. The guard who had been sleeping outside of the dungeon quickly awoke and ran to the sound. This must be the sign, William realized. He looked through the barred windows to see multiple soldiers carrying buckets of water. Nobody was attending the dungeon. Now was his chance. He ran up the stairs, unlocked the main gate, then ran quietly down the alley back where he had first seen Isabella. It was still dark back there, 
And not only that, massive puffs of smoke were billowing down in his direction, easily obscuring him as he sneaked through the shadows. He had a hard time seeing the map in the darkness, though, and he wasn't sure he was going the right way. That's what he thought right as he ran into Isabella falling on the ground with Isabella falling on him. Are you okay? She asked. William looked at her, admiring her efforts. Never been better, he said as she climbed off of him. Come on, let's go, she said as she took his hand momentarily. William looked down at her hand, disappointed when she let go. They arrived at the secret escape door. Princess Isabella opened the door, unhitched Moe's, and both her and William jumped on the horse, with William sitting on the front. Um, Isabella said, eyeing the back of the horse. Oh, uh, sorry, said the prince, as he realized Isabella would be the one driving. He scooted back as she took the reins. That's when they heard Lord Tyrone yelling, The escape door! Stop them! He screamed. Suddenly, the entire guard unit noticed what was happening. Isabella charged through the door as arrows and spears flew at them, hitting the wall and doorway as they narrowly evaded death. Outside, they were free. Isabella and William rode Moe's like the wind. Isabella started to think everything was okay, but then an arrow shot her in the arm. They looked back to see over 20 men on horses, with bows, arrows, swords, coming straight for them. Moe's was carrying two people. There would be no way he'd ever be able to outrun Tyrone's soldiers, and they were already gaining on them. Isabella then remembered something. She pulled right on the reins, causing Moe to turn right. She then slowed him down and carefully managed to evade what was on the ground, several feet of the mud that had captured Moe's the day before. Slowing down to maneuver Moe's through the mud pit caused Tyrone's army to close the distance. Isabella was taking a risk. What would happen if they were caught? Then Tyrone would demand ransom for Prince William and Princess Isabella. Moe's reached the end of the pit, and Isabella gave him a big yell to get him to increase his speed. As he increased the distance, Isabella looked behind her to see Tyrone's soldiers stuck in the mud. It was incredibly satisfying. Woohoo! screamed Isabella, and the three of them rode off into the forest as arrows whizzed past them and planted themselves squarely into surrounding trees. Moe's didn't need to be told twice, as he knew exactly what he was running from. Further and further he went, until finally they were out of the reach of the soldiers' arrows. The gates to Skyland dropped open as the door watchman called out playfully. Your father has been looking for you! Isabella smiled at him and waved. She carried Prince William into the castle to see the king and queen crying tears of joy. Neither said anything, they just hugged each other. Later that night, after Prince William and Princess Isabella were cared for, the prince's parents, the king and queen of Meloxia, joined Princess Isabella's family for a feast. They were, of course, overjoyed to see their son. After the feast, Isabella's parents gave her a talking to. They yelled and said all the things the princess knew they would say, about risking too much, mainly, and how they couldn't live without her. But then they surprised her. They thanked her for her bravery. The king decided to involve her more in the affairs of the military, and the queen decided to have days where Isabella was in charge, for she had proven herself to be a worthy, intelligent, and brave leader. But back in Tyrone's castle, he angrily threw his sword against the wall. None of his henchmen tried to console him. We still have the ransom, Lord, he pointed out. This made Tyrone even more angry. He grabbed the collar of the nobleman. I don't care about money. Monoxia will be mine. And then Skyland. And then all of the continent. This is not over, he growled. You will dismiss. His conspirators took a deep, unenthusiastic breath, preparing for whatever Tyrone had next. Whatever it was, it would not be good. This was Princess Isabella Saves Her Kingdom, an original story by me, Adam Morton. 
If you like this story, please subscribe and feel free to share it with family and friends. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.